I do want you to open your Bible to 2 Kings chapter number 2. I kind of wrestled with this message and another one. And this just seems to be what we need tonight. I be honest, I don't like to preach sermons like this. It's not the it's not the joy of my heart to do it. I like to preach like this morning. But there's more in the Bible than the fact that God's going to be good to us at the Bema seat. So um, tonight, I want you to look at 2 Kings 2, verse number 23. Very short passage I'm going to read, but I hope that you get uh, some lengthy truth from it. And he went up from thence unto Bethel. We're talking about Elisha now. He has seen Elijah raptured up into heaven. He has asked that he might have the double portion. He said, if you see me go, you'll have it. So he had a double portion placed upon him. There were 50 other preachers who didn't go far enough. And I'm convinced with all my heart that the reason some preachers are able to be successful, even though they don't have anything special about them, is they're willing to go further. They weren't willing to go further, so they didn't see it. So he spent some time in Jericho, and you know, he fixed up their water system for them while he was there. He got them all good, fresh drinking water. And so... He decides now to go to the next place to where obviously was a um, son of the prophet's house, a, a, a preacher's house, a preacher's college. It was about, um, I guess, 15 miles or something like that. And so he was, he was going up, by the way, as he was walking, there came forth little children out of the city mocked him and said to him, go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. And all the bald men said, amen. Amen. (laughs) And all the bald ladies said, (laughs) and he turned back, looked on them, and cursed them in the name of the Lord. Kids, you better be careful. And there came forth two she-bears. If it's anybody you don't want to make mad, number one, it's mama at home. Number two, it's a mama with her cubs. Look, and she tear 40 and two children of them. And I will talk to you of this subject tonight, the tragedy of rebellion. The tragedy of rebellion. Let's pray because we're definitely going to need uh, the Lord to help us tonight and for you to be able to embrace the truth that God, I think, is saying for us. Father, I've known this story for a long time, was in the Bible. In fact, I was one of those boys and 
by your grace, I got out alive. And I'm thankful for that. And God, I pray tonight that you'll take the word and might be somebody here just like me that came many Sunday nights to church. I was lost, had no heart for God, didn't care what the preacher had to say, didn't like the singing. I just came because there was friends or girls. And there might be somebody like that here tonight. And if you ask them, they'd say they were saved, but they know in their heart they're not. If that be the case, would you save them tonight? And if there is a rebel coming up, you already see it in their actions. You already see it in their life. Would you ask God for wisdom to be able to curb that awful power of the flesh has upon them? And then, God, tonight I pray for those old rebels, people who said, I'm going to do it my way, I don't care what. I ask you, God, tonight to break their hearts and let them know that they can come to Jesus too. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, this has quite an interesting cast, this story does. First of all, has a bald-headed preacher. Say amen, Brother Mike. Amen. <laughs> Brother Shane, you say amen. So we got two bald-headed preachers here tonight, but we just had one there. So one thing we do know about what Elisha looked like, he was bald-headed. Now that was probably... Uh, not a common thing. I, I, I don't think in that day. And in fact, today you you know there's they they most all your Jewish well at least Orthodox Jews has facial hair and 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 if they are bald headed you won't see it because they'll have a skull cap on and and so uh, for, for he was a bald headed preacher and so in those days I don't think they wore skull caps and so he probably was noticed. Secondly, we see a street gang here. A street gang. And thirdly, we see two she-bears. Now that's an interesting cast, isn't it? A bald-headed preacher, a street gang, and two she-bears. Well, you could, you could outline it like this. Mocking kids, mad preacher, and mean bears. That's what we got. Now, this Bible story has really been criticized by the liberals and the critics of the Bible. But it may be a story that is too often neglected. Instead of us preaching it, we try to defend it. There's no need to defend anything that God does. For whatever God does, he knows what he's doing. And so this is an often neglected text But for our day of rebellion against God's authority and our irreverence of our God and God's word and God's preachers, I think we need this tonight. So the first thing I want you to notice is the city in verse 23. Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. Do you remember when Jacob had left home. And Jacob was out there all alone by himself in Genesis 28. 
And Jacob, the Bible said, had nothing but stones for a pillow. And he'd never been out. He'd been used to having his sheik for dad. And so that night, the scripture said that God appeared to him and God spoke to him. And in that day, he named that place Bethel. Bethel. That's what it was called. If you, if, you, if, you, if you don't believe me, it's right over in Genesis chapter number 28. The interesting thing about that is, it was, what was its, you remember what its name was? And for uh, when we go to Israel, you remember that. What, the name before was Luz, L-U-Z. But now it's Bethel. El in the Hebrew always means God, or the translation always means God, right? Or Jehovah God. And so the Bible says that his brother, when he saw that Jacob had gotten the blessing and was going to have the blessing and that his father had sent him away to find him a wife and make him a life, and by the way, some of you mamas and daddies need to send your kids away to make a life. I'm amazed that children can stay on their family's insurance plan till they're 25 years old. That's a disgrace to our country and to what we're teaching our kids. They've got seven years, eight years out of high school to lay on the couch and eat Doritos. <laughs> Wonder why their blood pressure's up. And so, I don't think that had nothing to do with anything. Anyway, <laughs> Esau overheard the fact that Jacob, since he'd gotten the blessed, was sent out to find a wife and to make a life. Now, what his father Isaac told him was, there's one thing you're going to do. You do not marry a pagan. You do not marry an idolater. And you do not marry anyone who is not of our seed. When Esau got wind of that, the Bible said he took off unto Ishmael, which is what today we would call the Arab nations. He took off to Ishmael and married the daughter or the sister of Nebuchadnezzar to be his wife. You know why he did that? Rebellion. Esau was a rebel when he heard his daddy say, don't marry somebody outside of the will of God. Don't marry somebody that's not of the will of God. He said, if daddy don't want me to do it, I'll do it anyway. Amen. And you see what a mess we got in our world today. Amen. You know what caused it? Rebellion. Amen. Rebellion. So this was the city. At night, while he lay there, God speaking to him, he put his stones up and called it Bethel, which means the house of God. Isn't that amazing? The house of God. And in 1 Kings 
chapter 12, verse 27 through 33, uh, Bethel had went far, far from God. When you read about Bethel here in Genesis where he makes it a house of God, the next time we start to find some things out about Bethel, it had become a center of idolatry and apostasy and rebellion against the biblical worship and reverence of God. And so it had become a corrupt city. And so... When Solomon went off the scene, Solomon chose who was to be the king, but then there became a problem. After things began to move along a little bit, we have two people who can't get along. It's Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And so one says, I'll have my people, you'll not have them. The other says, no, I'll have the people, you can't have them. And so uh, they split. I, I, I will show you folks in Israel. I'll show you exactly where they offered that calf, where they had false worship, where it was a center of idolatry. Bethel, that was known as the house of God, had become the house of the devil. Isn't that sad? Some of, might be somebody here tonight. Your house used to be the house of God, but now it's the house of the evil one. Some of you kids tonight, listen to me. You may say, as soon as I get out of this place, I'm gone. I'm getting away. I'm not, leaving under, I'm not living under anybody's rules. You're going to find out it's not as easy as you think. Because you're going to wind up in some places you wished you weren't. Philadelphia's called the city of brotherly love. All I know they do is kill each other up there. Los Angeles is called the city of angels. I don't think they got any flying over and protected them. Murders after murders. This was the city of our story tonight is Bethel. So the house of God is a house of now rebellion and disrespect. And the, the language uh, uh, lets us know that everything now that Jacob wanted had reversed itself. Could we not say that tonight? Could it not be that all of us, whatever we thought our nation was going to be, it is totally opposite tonight? So that's the city. Secondly, I want you to notice the children. Verse number 23. I know some of you sitting out there already crying. Little old kids. Little bit of children. And them cheesy bears come out there and just maul them to death. Oh, I feel sorry for them kids. Well, don't feel too sorry for them. Y'all got your ears perked up? Let me tell you why. You say, well, how old were those sweet little demon children? <laughs> well, I don't know, but here's what I know. I know they were old enough to be out of the city by themselves. So the word children here can mean anything from zero to 20. So more than likely they were in there 
teenage years, from 16 to 20, more than likely. And if you read through the Bible, you'll find some of those, those explained to you to where they would say, oh, I'm, remember Jeremiah said to God when he called him, I'm just a child. Just a child. And so these children come out. They were big enough to not only come out of the city, they were big enough to make fun and mock a preacher. They also was big enough to disobey truth. And by the way, kids will believe anything if they hear it long enough from the right people. They were also big enough to be responsible for their sin and accountable to God for their judgment. So don't get too sympathetic for this street gang of thugs that we have right here. I believe these were young and older teenagers, possibly even 20 years or more, but because of of passages like Numbers chapter 14 to where God allowed the curse to come down to what age? 20. 20. Genesis 44, 20. Benjamin was at least 20 at that time, and the Bible says he was called the child of his old age, but he was at 20 at least. 1 Kings 3, 7, where he says, I am but a little child, and Solomon, already king, was 20 or more. Jeremiah 1.6 said the same thing. So tonight, we're not talking about little bitty babies. God didn't let a bunch of little bitty babies crawl outside, and we know there was at least 42 of them. We don't know how many more there was of them. Might have been 82. Maybe been 182. May have been 382. All we know, we got a street gang out there. God says 42. There may be some that was on the fringes. There may be some that was kind of wondering if they ought to follow them. But these 42 went out, and here's what they did. They mocked the man of God. Whatever age they were, they were disrespectful, they were rude, and they were responsible for their own sin. Let me tell you something tonight. You won't ever have to die for the sins of your parents. You won't ever have to be punished for the sins of your parents. You won't ever be cursed by the sins of your parents other than the wages of sin is death to which is passed upon all men. But I'm telling you, I don't care what kind of life your mama lived. I don't care what kind of life your daddy lived. I don't care if you even know who your mama was or who your daddy was. It doesn't matter what they've done or where they've been. You are not responsible for their sin. You're only responsible for your sin. So here were some kids that was responsible for what they were doing. Go up, old bald head. They were making fun of the rapture. I hear people all the time making fun of the rapture. They don't believe it. They don't believe it. They don't believe in it. And when they try to explain the second coming of Jesus Christ, I can't figure out what in the world they're talking about. 
We got college professors hadn't got sense enough to explain the second coming of Jesus Christ in the way the Bible presents it. There is absolutely no way in the world if you are not a pre-trib, pre-millennialist that you can interpret the Old Testament right. Can't do it. It's impossible. It's impossible. Where are you going to get a kingdom? Where are you going to get a millennium? Uh, where are you going to get a God coming down in wrath when he told us he's coming down in grace? So, second thing, the third thing I want you to know is the crime. That was the mockery. The talk about Elijah's rapture had started to get around. You see those old 50 boys and maybe some more started to preach and, and it got down to Bethel. It gotten around to the others, up to Carmel. We'll, we'll go up there and up on Carmel. He had, a, had a, a school up there and a school down at Gilgal, school at Bethel. And they was out there preaching that, listen, listen, our leader, Elisha, Elijah, the man we looked up to, the one that had the power of God in his life, the one who started these schools, the one who knew God with all of his heart, he got caught up in heaven in a whirlwind and Elisha saw him and they started preaching that he all over the place they started preaching that and oh when they did they started mocking him you old bald headed nutcase you old bald headed man you don't know what you're talking about you old bald headed preacher some of you sometimes well, sometimes we can sit at our church and in our heart we can seethe and boil and burn at what the preacher said we don't have the guts to say what we need to say but in our hearts we're boiling and seething the rapture I went I preached my first or second revival I'll never forget it and I preached on the rapture that night. And I noticed it was colder than it was the night before, although the night before was just like Frosty the Snowman. And so, at the end of the service, here comes this guy, and I guess he was the head hog at the trough. <laughs> he walks up to me and he says, I just want you to know I don't believe in the rapture. I said, I just want you to know I do. And if it happens tonight, you can have my truck. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, you better be careful in mocking God's man. Don't you mock God's man. Oh, you say he's no better. That's right. He is no better than anybody else. But I'm telling you, God has put him in a better place than anyone else. He has put him in a position to give out the message of God. So when you mock the man that's preaching the message, you mock the God that gave it to him. Y'all hearing me? So, so first of all, this reveals their raising. First Kings 12, verse 31 and 33 will kind of give us a, a, an idea about that, but it reveals their raising. You see, all they now had ever seen was idolatry. All they saw, mom and daddy wasn't going to the true church. They were going and offering idols. They were, they were going and doing all kinds of immoral and disobedient things. And that's what they grew up, what they grew up seeing. And so all they knew was all that ungodly stuff. 
up. And when they heard something miraculous that God could do, they started mocking it and making fun of it. It revealed a raisin. Let me tell you something. Next time you go home and you have roast preacher for dinner. Yeah. I tell you, when you have roast preacher for dinner, your kids will hear it. And when you have roast deacons for dinner, your children will hear it. And when you have roast song leader for dinner, your children will hear it. And when you have a when you have a, 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 a youth leader for dinner, your children will hear it. If you have a bald-headed associate, your children will hear it. Friends, I'm telling you, we've had enough of putting God's man down. This world does enough of that. These politicians do enough of that. The county does enough of that. The city does enough of that. It's time we respected the man of God and the message of God. You say, you just preaching that so that because it's Pastor Appreciation Month and you know it's, it's about to close and you hope you're going to knock something out this next day. No, it's not about me. I won't be here forever. But you better get God's man when I leave. When you do, if he preaches God's message, you ought to respect it. It's straight from God. So they'd had no discipline, they'd had no discipline, they had no dedication, and they were just parroting everything they saw, felt, and heard. So you better be careful around your children what you say. You want to cuss a little around your kids? They'll start cussing a little. Listen, somebody told me something this week broke my heart. I hope I'm not violating any trust because I don't even know any names myself. But I was told that a nine-year-old boy was molesting his five-year-old and three-year-old sisters. Nine-year-old. Where'd he get that? How'd he learn that? He saw it on daddy's computer, on mama's computer, or he saw it happening between men and women coming and going with mom and daddy when they shouldn't be. He saw it somewhere. Because a nine-year-old boy don't think like that. Amen. Isn't that sad? And all three of them will be warped for life. Yeah. Unless God gets in their hearts and changes their mind and they can forget all that stuff. Second thing, he ridiculed the rapture. By the way, look at 2 Peter 3, verses 3 through 5, and you'll find out in the last days they're going to ridicule the rapture. They will. They will. Families that disrespect God's man and the message and the leadership he has committed a crime against God. Let me, do you want me to say that again or did you get it? You you disrespect God, you respect the man of God, you respect the Bible, you respect the word of God, you have committed a crime against Almighty God. Let me show you. I I know I know somebody some folks don't believe it. I'm gonna show you first Thessalonians chapter five, verse thirteen. This is what it says. Uh, And to them to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. 
he, he didn't say because how good looking they was or how much charisma they had, how much charm they had. He didn't say anything about that. How much, how much money he had, didn't say that. Look, he said, in love for their work's sake. What do they do? They preach, why? Because, and they'd be at peace among themselves. The ones that was over them was their shepherds, their pastors, the people who cared for They were given the message. He said, esteem them highly. I'm not done. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. Let the elders, and by the way, the elders and the presbytery and the bishop, bishopry that the Bible talks about, are the same office, just three functions. You can call me elder and it's biblical. You can call me a Presbyterian, not a Presbyterian, but you can call me a Presbyteros, which is what the word is, and that's okay. But we like pastor, and Baptist has always clung to pastor because that's a more caring word. That's a more uh, loving word. That's a more embracing word. And that's what the Bible uses as well. There's some denominations don't even believe in having a pastor. They don't believe in having the pastor over them. So that's a mockery in itself of the Bible. Thirdly, they had rejected their Redeemer. They were rejecting God and his messenger. Do you not think that 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 prophet who had a double portion of Elijah's power on him, do you not think he turned to those boys and told them about Jesus, about God, and about how they could get right with God and how they could change their life and they didn't have to be a bunch of rebels and God could do something special and those idols couldn't do anything for them, but he knew somebody who could and he'd come into their life and make them a different person? I know he preached that to them. And that's why he preached about the rapture. Because he said, that's where you'll end up, up there, not down there. And so they rejected the Redeemer. Listen to this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send, receiveth me. Some of you better underline that. That is John 13, verse 20. Luke 10, 16 says, He that heareth you heareth me, and he that despiseth you despiseth me. Why? Because the pastor is the one who is seen as the overseer of the church. That's his, what, that's his biblical office. He should not have to be pushed to do it. He should not let others do it for him. I, I'm not leaving this pulpit. We've lost two, two families, got mad, ticked off, because I wouldn't let them preach. I said, I got a staff, and if they can't preach, I don't need them. And I'm going to preach as long as I can crawl up here. May not be good preaching, but it's going to be preaching. I'm going to take up your time anyway, amen? I'll fake a seizure or something up here, you know? Get you stirred up. But listen, they rejected the Redeemer. Rejected the Redeemer. 
After 70 years, God got tired of that mess. And 2 Chronicles 36 said after, after sending prophet after prophet after prophet and them mocking them and scoffing them and even killing them, he said, that's enough. There is no remedy. I believe we have come to the place in America where people can be saved, but there is no remedy for this nation. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. So, listen to me. Respect God's man. Philippians 2.29 says it as well. Because you respect what, God, what that man preaches, you respect the God who gave him the word. Now, if he's not preaching the Bible, that's a different subject. But verse 9 says, be found in him not having my own righteousness of the law. Now, I'm in three. Let me get to two. Two, verse number 29. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness. I saw how happy he was when you come in tonight to see me. <laughs> Brother Steve, can't even get you to smile during the singing. You sure ain't going to smile during the sermon. But receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. I'm going to tell you, I was in evangelism for two and a half years and I traveled across the country mostly preaching in just country churches. Churches that give me just enough money maybe to barely buy groceries on. We, we could barely live. In fact, we filed taxes that year on $10,000. That's all, that's all we made. That was it. No benefits. Nobody paid our gas for our gas for us to drive down the road. Nothing. That's what we got. Nobody paid our rent. We was in evangelism. We made it. God took care of us. But I want to tell you, I learned while I was in evangelism how to respect my pastor. I had a pastor. And while I was on the road, my family and my girls, they went to, my wife and my girls, they went to church faithfully. They was there every time the door opens. We tithed at that church. That pastor was younger than me. And I was still young, get you. I, believe it or not, I was young when I come here. <laughs> I was. I had just, I turned 36 my first Sunday here. I was a young man, good looking, strong. <laughs> but here's what I learned as I studied the Bible. When somebody come to me and said, brother, because I had been the pastor of that same church. They come to me and said, brother Glenn, we got this situation. What we should do? I said, you should call your pastor. Well, 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 you know, we, we've got good, we've known you a long time. We've got a good relationship. You know, you led us all to Christ. I, I said, no, you need to call your pastor. I remember not one night, one boy got a ladder put up in the window and got his, got his girlfriend, drug, drug her down. They went off to try to get married. 
Somehow they hunted them down, put them around the table, called me, weeping and crying, said, preacher, you got to get over here right now. You know what I did? I went and got their pastor. I said, you want me to go with you? I will as backup or I'll stay away and you go handle it. He said, no, I want you to go because you've got more influence on that young man than anybody else. So I went. And I learned from this side, it looks different than from that side. And if you don't learn to respect your pastor, you won't learn to respect your Jesus. Are your school teachers, are your Sunday school teachers, are your one class teachers, are your choir director, or whoever it might be, if you have a rebellious heart, the Bible says that he cursed them. He cursed them. Well, I don't believe God was in. And you see, the, the, the liberals argue, they say, well, he cursed them, but God didn't do it. That was in, on his own. Well, let me ask you something. Why did God confirm it? Yeah. How did two she bears just happen to show up? She bears don't go where there's 42 people, she bears don't go where there's people. They stay close to their, to their little ones. And so that curse, not only did God confirm it, but the bears performed it. <laughs> the Bible said they tear them. That word means they maul them. We don't know how many there were, but 42. That was the verbal mockers. But I'll guarantee you, any of them that survived or any of them that knew what was happening, any of them saw the remains, said, I don't, wanna, I won't, don't ever want that to happen to me. Yeah. Rebellion. Rebellion. There's a lot of she-bears out there, folks. Hear me tonight. Some of them are called gangs. Some of them are called car accidents. Some of them are called prison some of them are called drugs and some of them are called STDs. Some of them are called addictions and some of them are even called positions. Some are called bondages. Some are called witchcraft. Some are called sodomy. Some's called socialism. But there's a lot of she-bears out there. And they'll leave you mauled. And when you've been mauled, you're left scarred. Even if you survive, you'll live scarred forever. Scarred for the rest of your life. Messed up for the rest of your life. All because you rebelled against God's man and God's word and God himself. Mm. You say, well, who really suffered? I'd say the parents of those children suffered. And you go down there and pick up your child that a bear had mauled. I'd say the children were scarred. Church, I'm through.
But there's a tragedy of rebellion happening in America. I'm going to give you two verses, and we're in the invitation. So, Brother Steve, Brother Nick, I want you prepared. Two verses. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, says this. This know that in perilous times, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, uh uh-huh, amen, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers. That means getting rid of thousands of tapes, false accusers, incontinent despisers of those that are good that means the deplorables I'm serious having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof I don't know which one it was where it was Ted Cruz or, or, or back during the Republican primary, somebody mentioned about their God and about their religion and everybody, you know, was kind of weighing in on that thing and what Rubio was a Catholic and different things. And all of a sudden Trump said, well, I'm a Presbyterian. (laughs) Well, I'm sure they're proud of him. (laughs) Folks, don't you look at Isaiah 3 and I'm going home. And I hope I go home better than I did Wednesday night. Yeah, y'all put that fence up just so I'd hit it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think the deacons got together and said, let's put it real close. He can't half see anyway. And see, everybody else turns the other way, but he'll turn that way. He'll be sure to hit it. And we can call him fool. <laughs> if I had a bald head, they'd probably call me a bald head. I don't know. All right, here, here's serious. Listen, listen, listen. I don't know how many have been to the voting polls already. Well, this is what the Bible said. And the people shall be oppressed. Everyone by another. And everyone by his neighbor. And the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable. In other words, he'll have no respect for someone older than him. But look at verse 4. And I'll give children to be their princes and babes shall rule over them. Listen, folks, we're living in a day when God says in verse 12, look at it. Got it in my Bible. Take it with you to the voting polls. As for my people, children of their oppressors and women rule over them. Oh, my people, they which lead thee, 
cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy paths. Franklin Graham, thank God, was a rebel. Billy Graham's son, they'd done everything to win him to Christ. But one night, Franklin Graham came to Jesus. In my opinion, he's a better preacher than his dad ever has been. He stands morally stronger than his dad ever has been. You know why? Because when a rebel gets saved, they really get fired up. 